We shall now turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and our text for this morning is verse 3. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 3. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. When they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them. On October 7th, thousands of young Israelis were dancing at a Nova music festival in southern Israel, dancing all night, having a wonderful time. Suddenly in the morning, Hamas gunmen broke in and massacred hundreds of them and carried others away into captivity, kidnapped. It was a horrid tragedy. It shocked Israel and shocked the world. But really, it's just a picture for us of what it will be like at the end of the world. When they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction will break in upon them. Is it a picture of your own life? Are you saying peace and safety? Everything's fine. You go on from day to day, drifting on through life without a concern for your soul. Day follows day, week follows week, year follows year. And you think tomorrow will be just like yesterday. And then sudden destruction. Do you realize that you're just one breath away from eternity? You take in your breath, you breathe it out. Will you be able to take in another breath? If a nuclear bomb landed on Glasgow just now, what would happen to you? Where would you open your eyes? In heaven or in hell? There's only the two places. There's some in this congregation and they would definitely open their eyes in heaven because they love the Lord Jesus and they trust in him. They have given their hearts to Christ. They have him as their savior, trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever happens, you need not worry. The best is yet to be. 
When you leave this world, you go to paradise. You love Jesus, you trust in him, and you're saved by him. And whatever happens, you go to heaven. But what about you? Are you a true Christian? Do you really believe in Christ as your savior? Have you given your heart and your life to him? Well, the first thing that we see in this passage in front of us today is that sudden destruction is predicted. Paul has been talking about the end of the world and he tells us that it's going to come one day and it's going to come suddenly. He says, verse two, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord, the last day, the day of judgment, so cometh as a thief in the night. One night, my wife and I went to bed. It was just like any other night. We had locked the doors and we were soon fast asleep. But then suddenly, a torch shone in our faces. We woke up. Four men had broken into our house. Thankfully, they did us no harm. How sudden, how unexpected, how shocking. Afterwards, we installed a burglar alarm system. and We put extra locks on the doors and did various things, but that was 40 years ago and nothing like that ever happened since. There's not much point in a sense in putting extra locks in and panic buttons in your house when it's too late. Today is the day of salvation. Now's the time to seek the Lord. When the thief comes in the night, when the Lord Jesus returns, it's too late then to take safety measures and prepare. You're maybe thinking to yourself, well, will Christ come again today, tomorrow, how soon? Well, Paul told us 2000 years ago that he will come as a thief in the night. It's obviously very much sooner today than it was then. It's a lot nearer for every one of us. But whether Christ comes again in our lifetime or not, whether the world comes to an end today or someday soon, one thing you can be certain of is that one day your life will come to an end. If it's not Christ returning as a thief in the night, it's going to be 
death coming to you as a thief in the night. Sometimes it's a heart attack. One of our ministers walked from his manse over to the church one Saturday morning and he got a heart attack and died. Happened so quickly, suddenly, maybe a stroke, maybe a, an aneurysm that bursts. Maybe silent pneumonia. Remember a young fellow in, in, in school in Stornoway? And, uh, he'd gone to school just like any other day, felt a little bit unwell. Was sent home and he died. That very day, silent pneumonia. Didn't know anything was wrong with him. But he died. How quickly death can come maybe an accident remember one day driving up north to Inverness and there was some snow on the road that came on an old couple who had obviously lost control of their car it crashed and there they were dead another day coming from sky down to Glasgow coming through the Fort William area I came upon a young woman in her car dying. She had crashed into a truck with logs. How quickly, in a moment, life gone. Young, old, you don't know. Today could be your last day in this world. In fact, this could be the last minute in your life for all you know. Death can come at any moment. It often comes suddenly. Are you prepared? Are you ready to die? Are you prepared to meet your God? And even if death doesn't come suddenly, it's strange with people how they never really face up to it. I remember being very shocked early on in my ministry visiting an old woman who was obviously dying. All that she seemed to be concerned about was her, her little dog. Would, would, her, would her son look after this dog? That seemed to be her big priority. I remember visiting another man and he said, I've got something I want to tell you. He was obviously dying. And he was very concerned to talk to me about something. Some secret that he had held for years. By the time I reached home from the visit, he was dead. It was just so concerned about the things of this life. You think, well, one day I'll seek the Lord when, when death comes, then I'll prepare. But will you be aware that death is coming? And will you have a chance to prepare? Sudden destruction cometh upon them. The Bible tells us about Noah, how God warned Noah that he was going to destroy the world with a flood. 
and he told him to build an ark. And you remember how Noah set about building that ark. And at the same time, he warned the people of his day. It took him 120 years to build this enormous boat that was required to preserve life. For 120 years, he preached to people warning of the coming flood. And one day, he went into the ark. And who followed him? All the thousands of people that he was telling about the coming destruction. No, only his wife and his three sons and their three wives. Everybody else in the world thought he was a fool, despised his warning. And when the rain began to come down, and when the floods began to rise, they ran to the ark, but it was too late. God had shut the door. Will you be seeking to get into heaven when it's too late? Or are you prepared? Have you made your peace with God? Are you sure? There's another man we're told about in the Bible. His name was Lot. God sent a messenger to him to tell him that he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah with fire and brimstone from heaven. Lot went and told his sons-in-law. And you know how they greeted him? They laughed. They thought it was a joke. They couldn't take him seriously. They regarded it as, as if he was jesting, just a joke. And so Lot left Sodom and his sons-in-law perished there. When they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child. Are you prepared? Are you ready? Ready to die? Ready to meet with God? Ready to give your account to the judge? Or are you saying, peace and safety, everything's fine. I'm okay. When they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them. Will that be you? But in the second place, why this careless sleepiness? Why are people so, so, careless, so unconcerned in such a dangerous situation. Why this false sense of security? Well, for one thing, there's lots of people in the world just like me. I'm just one of many. There's the majority and people take great comfort in the fact that there's so many people like themselves. They find safety in numbers. That didn't do much good to the people in Noah's day, did it? The vast majority perished in the flood. 
Didn't do much good to the people of Sodom and Gomorrah, did it? They all perished, apart from Lot and his two daughters. The majority, people have safety in numbers. And then people have this idea, maybe it's you. I'm young. Most people live to live 80 years old. I've got plenty time. Is that the way you think? How do you know? How many young people die? Do you have plenty time? Are you sure? People say, well, yes, I mean, I, 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 I am going to become a Christian. One day I'm going to become a Christian, but at the moment there's certain things that I have to do. I'm very busy and taken up with life in this situation or that and doing exams or I'm going through this process here at work or whatever it is. I'm very busy. I've got certain things I want to complete and then I'll seek the Lord. Once I've sorted out all this, then I'll seek the Lord. And You've promised yourself that you're going to do it but you're procrastinating. That means you're putting it off and you're saying, someday in the future. And there's many, many people in hell today who procrastinate, who meant to become Christians, who said they were going to believe in Jesus and repent of their sins one day when they had a convenient season. But it never came. And they died and they were too late. And then some people, the sleepiness is because, well, they're very nice people and they're very good people. And they say to themselves, I'm not a bad person, I'm kind, and I don't do anything terribly bad, I don't steal. I don't um, tell lies, I don't swear and blaspheme. I'm really quite a nice person. I think everything will be okay. And they trust in their morality. And there's lots of very moral people, very good living people in hell today. Because morality won't save us. Because your morality is never good enough. It's always got faults to it. Every one of us, me as well as you, are sinners. And our morality won't save us. Some think, well, but I'm, I'm really quite a, a religious person. And I do in a way believe. I believe in Jesus. I believe what's in the Bible. And I do read my Bible and I say my prayers and I go to church and Surely that means something. I'll be okay, won't I? I've done, I've done what I can. I go to church and I read my Bible and say my prayers. But what does the scripture say? What did Jesus say? Except a man be born again, cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless you're born again, you'll never get to heaven. No matter how good living 
or how religious you are. Why are people so sleepy? Well, they're busy, busy with work, busy with their family. They've got all these cares and duties. They don't have time. Is that the way it is with you? You're so taken up with all the things. You're, you're like a hamster on a wheel, as it were, just constantly going in order to stay where you are. Well, it's time you jumped off the wheel. It's time you faced up to the real issue. To the fact you're not going to be here forever. The pleasures of the world, they're, they have a soporific effect upon many. Some people, it's music, and they've always played their music. And the music dulls any feelings that they have, any worries they have. They're watching films and YouTube and various things like that. Or maybe it's drink or drugs, drink, drugs, entertainment. And time passes and you forget everything that's serious and everything that's challenging. Then there are some people and they're saying, well, but there's nothing I can do. I'm just waiting. I remember a man in my first congregation and if I challenged him about his soul, he will say, well, a new birth is something that God does. I'm waiting until God does it for me. God's got to do it. I can't do it. I've got to be born again and God's got to do it. And that was his excuse. But does the Bible tell us to sit around and wait for God to do something for us? No, the Bible tells us, seek the Lord while he may be found. And those that seek him shall find him. Some others, and they argue, well, I believe in predestination. I believe in election. If I'm an elect, I'll be saved. And if I'm not, well, there's nothing much I can do about it, so... So that's the cushion that they lie on and sleep on. Predestination. But was predestination ever meant to be an excuse for us to stay away from Christ? What does God, the sovereign God, say to us? He says, repent and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. He didn't say sit around and wait to see if you're in the elect or try and find out if you're in the elect. He said, turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will you die? Why die when God is offering you eternal life? What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And then there are some and it's a matter of unbelief. 
They believe, they, they think God can't really send me to hell. God won't do that. God's a God of love. I'm sure everything will be okay in the end. Or maybe, well, actually, I don't think there is a God. There is no God. And so they convince themselves that everything will be fine because there's no God. Nobody to judge. No creator. No ruler. No judge. Everything just happened by chance. And when we die, that's the end. Well, That's the excuse some make. But you've got a conscience. And your conscience is telling you that there is a God. And your conscience is telling you that one day you're going to have to give your account to him. And that there's no escape. And then, of course, there's Satan. Satan, the great enemy of souls, and he keeps tempting you, distracting you. And when you are a little bit concerned, he's got his sleeping pills that he gives you. Or his calming tablets that he gives you. These pleasures, these distractions, whatever it is that would take you away from thinking about your soul. When they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child. Thirdly, we must prepare for the judgment day. Whether we like it or not, it's coming. And it's coming sooner than you think. God doesn't tell lies. And God has warned us time and time again, warned us in the scriptures, warned us through the preaching of the word, warned us even in our own conscience. When they shall say peace and safety, sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child. When a woman is pregnant, then... One day she's going to enter into labor. One thing follows another. A woman with child, she's got to go through labor. That's what happens. That's what comes next. It's inevitable. And so the day of judgment is inevitable. It's certain to come. Either the world will come to an end in your lifetime and mine, or your world will come to an end when you die. The end of the world, we're told about that in chapter 4. We're told that the Lord Jesus Christ will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel. What a voice that will be, a shout that will be heard throughout the whole world. And the sounding of the trumpet, God's trumpet will sound from heaven, exceeding long and exceeding loud. Just imagine what it will be when the great trumpet blast of heaven is heard 
from Scotland to Australia, from Japan to America, and the whole world hears the trumpet blast of the Lord, and the voice of the shout of Christ is heard as he descends from heaven. And the dead in Christ shall rise first, the graves shall open, and dead Christians will rise to, <coughs> to meet their Lord. Now what will you do if you're unconverted that day? The unconverted will rise from their graves too. And the unconverted on earth and the unconverted rising from their graves will see the Lord Jesus Christ. And they will see him not with a loving face, but with an angry face. A terrifying face. A God of wrath. A God who is a consuming fire. And the Bible tells us they shall call upon the mountains to follow them and the rocks to cover them. People that never prayed before will pray for the mountains to follow them and hide them. Are you waiting till that day before you really start to pray? So the first real earnest prayer will be calling on the mountains to hide you from the presence of the Lord. How angry he will be. You heard the gospel many times. You were told about the Lord Jesus Christ. God in his great love became a man, came from heaven into this world, came and lived in this world, told us about salvation and we took him and we hammered nails through his hands, attached him to a cross, laughed at him as he died. That's what we did. We crucified Christ. Well, you say, I never did that. Well, by your unbelief in him, you're still crucified. Unless you receive him and embrace him as your savior, you're nailing Christ to the cross and you're laughing at him and despising him and mocking him as he dies. No wonder God will be angry because God in his great love has provided us with a gospel at great personal expense. He provided us with a savior. God himself became man to save us. And how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? How shall we escape if we despise this great Savior and his loving death on the cross for us? Whether we like it or not, there's a judgment day in front of us. Either Christ will come again and alive we will meet him or we will die and our soul will go 
to heaven or to hell. One way or another, we will meet with God. And what then? Remember when you die and when Christ comes again, there's no second chance. There'd be no opportunity then to cry for mercy. Too late, too late. Lord, save me. Too late. <coughs> Have mercy on me, Lord. Too late. You had your day of opportunity. You had your chance to cry for mercy. It's too late now. The day of grace has passed. The day of salvation is gone. And there's only hell in front of you. A place of weeping, of wailing, of gnashing of teeth. Just think of the misery of the lake of fire. That place of torture and torment forever no way out pain and no painkillers <coughs> depression and darkness and despair and no light at the end of the tunnel no way out the blackness of darkness forever where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched a worm eating away, a fire burning away, a terrible thirst, and not a drop of water to cool your tongue. The prospect of heaven, who can consider it without fear? And friends, why should you? You end up in hell when you're so privileged and blessed and you're here in church today and you're hearing the gospel and this gospel is offered to you and the Lord Jesus Christ is stretching out his hands to you and saying, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Come unto me. And him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. Come to Christ today. Come and be saved. He's willing to receive you. He's willing to save you. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Call upon him and he will save you. Ask him to be your savior. Take him into your heart and life. Flee from the wrath to come. Make your peace with God. It doesn't take time. Today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow, not some years into the future. Be converted today. Stop listening to Satan. Stop listening to these excuses that he's whispering in your ear. Stop putting it off. Make your peace with God now. Ask him. 
to forgive you your sins, to come into your heart and life and to make you into a new person. You need to be saved and Christ can save you and he promises to save you. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock at the door of heaven in your prayers and he will answer you. It shall be open to you. Prepare for the judgment day. But then in conclusion, a word to fellow Christians. Verse four, but ye brethren are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. The day of the Lord, the second coming will be as a thief in the night. When a thief comes in, he comes in to, to destroy. But that day will not overtake you, my fellow Christian, my fellow believer, as a thief in the night. When that day comes, you're prepared, you're ready. And when Christ returns, you'll be delighted. You'll welcome him. My beloved, come Lord Jesus. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. I'm looking forward to you coming, to be with you, to share in eternity with you, being blessed forevermore in heaven. Come, Lord Jesus. How wonderful that day will be. Christ, with eyes full of love for you, and Christ saying to you, my beloved, come, enter into the joy of your Lord. Well done, good and faithful servant. How wonderfully blessed you are as a Christian. There's a great heaven awaiting you, a place where there's no pain, no suffering, no misery, no tears, no stress or strain or fear or worry or temptation, nothing black or dark or horrible, but everything beautiful and loving and wonderful. To be with Christ, which is far better. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. But ye brethren are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are the children of light, the light of God. You've received it into your hearts. You're walking in the light of his word. His word is a lamp to your feet, a light to your path. You are the children of the day. You're not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, fellow Christians, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober and be restrained for they that sleep, sleep in the night. They that are drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with them. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, 
even as also ye do. Fellow Christians, commit yourselves afresh to Christ. Be children of the day. Don't be sleeping. Be awake. Awake to God. Awake to eternal realities. Walk with God each day. Rejoice in the Lord always. Delight yourselves in the promises of Scripture. The Bible's full of promises, and every promise of the Scriptures is yours. Yours for Christ's sake. Yea and amen in Christ Jesus. Take these promises, rejoice in them, live for God, spend and be spent for Him. Say with Paul of old, to me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Live for Him and for His glory. Spend and be spent for Him. Be awake, be alive, be alert. So, fellow Christians, there's a great future before you. Keep going. Don't be frightened. Sometimes people are frightened when they see wars going on and they're afraid of these things spreading and they're frightened of this and of that and of the next thing. Fear not, little flock. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Our God is in control and nothing happens by chance. All things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Keep going, fellow Christian. But if you're not a Christian today, can I plead with you? Seek the Lord now. Turn to him today. Don't let another day pass with you lost outside of Christ. Let us pray. O Lord, our God, we thank thee that we have a gospel for a perishing world. We thank thee that we have a mighty Savior. And we pray that we would, each one of us, appreciate Jesus Christ and all that he suffered for us on the cross of Calvary, that we would see the amazing love of God in these things, and that we would put our trust in this loving God. Help us, Lord, to realize that here we have no continuing city, that this world is not going to go on forever. One day it's going to come to an end, and help us, every one of us, to prepare to meet our God. Lord, we pray then for every unbeliever that's here today, every unconverted person, that by the grace of God, even today, they would come to put their faith in Christ. And we pray, Lord, for those of us who are believers, who are Christians, that we would be encouraged to go on serving the Lord, living holy, godly lives for thy glory, and looking forward to the bliss of heaven that has been prepared for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.